comes the sun Here comes the sun I say it's alright Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today, we are talking with ourselves (laughs) and you about being sustainable in Florida and what the future brings. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and Annie Ellis. Myself and I, me, myself and I. (laughs) (laughs) And joined in the studio and answering your calls probably is going to be Mr. Bill Grace. And we and the three of us are holding down the fort here at WMNF. It's cold and empty in this studio today, that's for sure. So stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. So the idea of today's show is if you could rule the world, what rule or what law would you make to make our planet more sustainable. And the way that I got this idea was I was listening to Jay Shetty's podcast, and Jay Shetty used to be a monk, and then he kind of got fired as, <laughs> as a monk. He must and, have done something really bad. <laughs> no, I think he just... Didn't shave his head <laughs> regularly? Some way he was like too ambitious or something, and they said your uh, skill set would be better served if you go educate people about being a monk. So... He came back to uh, the U.S. and then he like consulted for Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres oh, and Michelle Obama. The movie star, yeah, Muck. exactly. Okay. So uh, this is like one of the first podcasts I've ever listened to, but I guess he's been around for several years. And he always asks um, his guests five like quick fired answers at the end of the podcast, and one of them is if you um, could. Rule the world. If you could come up with a law that everyone had to follow, what would it be? So he asked Trevor Noah, who used to be the um, Daily Show host, um, what law would you come up with? And this is what Trevor Noah said. He said, we would do this weird system where 10% of the world's population randomly in the world could get their bank account swapped out with the lowest person's bank account on a yearly basis. So let's say somebody has $50,000, $100,000, a million dollars, a billion dollars. But if the lowest person in the world has a bank balance of negative like $5,000, then 10% of the world would get that really bad bank account. And Trevor hopes that what would happen is society would make more people feel like their fate was tied to the least of us they would have a little more compassion and they would think a little more about how um, those people may or may not be existing. So I thought that was empowerful um, be, be, because you, you drive by homeless people, you don't think about the people who don't have stuff. And when we create well, laws, do, but- when we create laws and we create systems, we probably aren't thinking about those types of people. Well, uh, I, I think that, that they are the, the unseen, the neglected, uh, for sure. I wondered, though, when you were, read, when you were saying that or reading that or talking about it, uh, I was wondering, I wonder how, how that person would react. It's, it would be almost like uh, winning the lottery. And, you know, some of these people that win the lottery go completely bonkers mm-hmm. and spend everything on the craziest, craziest things. And then also their lives get in danger uh, because of it. You know, I wonder if that would be such a shift in uh, the universe of that person, those people, uh, how that would be. It seems to me that maybe a percentage 
could be given towards help. But uh, the changing of the bank accounts, I think, would just be so startling for some people that they would completely go crazy, especially people that are um, uh, ill in a certain way uh, that are on the street, you know, could be um, alcoholism or drug abuse or this and that, because I know that is a big occurrence and they would be instantly dead. So I don't know about that one, Kenny. I like the idea of it. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes when you counter, when you ba- undo the balance so much, it, it goes crazy. I'm thinking if there's like homeless people and alcoholics and people who are really struggling, they're rich people who want to keep their money because they know every year randomly 10% of the people are going to lose their money. Mm-hmm. They're going to invest in systems that help. Now, I can see that point. Yeah, so it changes they're, the person. They're like lifting all the boats. Right, it's, <laughs> it changes the person with the money is what you're saying. Yeah, and yes. they're going to be fearful that their bank account's going to get really low. Right. So that's why they're going to help the homeless. And well, the, I, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So uh, what, do you, what do you think? Your personal uh, thing My on that. law rule would be? Yeah, what would your rule be? That's a good question. I have a couple of ideas myself. Okay, so um, let's hear your idea first. And then, okay. because we posted this on social media, we do have about 10 responses already. Some of them are a little overlap, but But still. we also want to encourage listeners to call in or send us a text message. So today we're just talking about if you could rule the world, how would you improve our sustainability system? Yes. Our phone number is 813-239-9663, or you can send us an email at dj at org, and we will read it on air. So Annie, what is your big idea for... Well, making the planet better. A couple of things. One of the things is that I would like to make um, pesticides, herbicides, uh, fungicides less uh, easily available to uh, the public. And the reason why is, um, you know, these stores stock all this stuff and it puts it into the hands of people that don't know how to use it. And a lot of times people think, you know, more is more, (laughs) you know, whereas it's sort of like the last ditch effort uh, really is the way it should be. Uh, But so many people are used to instant gratification that they want you know, an answer. They want a response. They want to do something now. And so what a lot of times people do is they use uh, these chemicals um, with a a situation like, well, they will um, kill every bug because they have an aphid, you know, on their plant or or a mealybug or something like that. They'll just kill every bug. And they also uh, will... um, think that a particular thing will be good for all bugs and when it's not, you know, so because they aren't uneducated. And a lot of times if you try to educate people, I find that they're uh, personally insulted, like I'm questioning their intelligence, which is just not the case because we can't know everything. I mean, we aren't born with all the knowledge at one time. I mean, I learn something new every day. So I would like it if that 
could be uh, that you would it would be requirement for you to uh, you know have education in mm-hmm. the area to be able to use it. Yeah. So Kenny Gill, who's been a, a guest on the show, yes. he uh, also wrote in maybe something on application of insecticides, herbicides. The desire for sterile landscapes is unhealthy. Yes. And so is the most common solution to arrive at that goal. Mm-hmm. Mandatory pesticide. Uh, um, courses through the extension office should be made, make it less convenient for people to access these chemicals. Yeah, like are, it just shouldn't be available unless you have uh, you a card. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you should be able to have a card to be able to purchase, is my opinion. Yeah, you be, know? I was also thinking if we got rid of all pesticides, that's going to cause a lot of people starvation because the well, way I get that. the way that we grow stuff yes well, so well because of the gmo uh, plant materials that's been uh, you know made to take the uh, overspray of the uh, the poisons and the monoculture so right because if, that's if, all if, the bugs go to that one thing <laughs> yeah they're like right? oh it's a buffet yeah that's right and that's the other thing too like you know Kenny you and I know this and a lot of people probably do know but those that don't uh, if you do not have a monoculture uh, which means one particular plant, uh, you know, and grow the whole crop of that, then you're going to have a diversification and uh, the insects will go mm-hmm. to more. Some people even plant, I do this, plant certain things uh, to uh, to get the bug away from it. It's the less desirable yeah. plant for the one that you really want to eat or you want to really have that plant. So you plant a distraction plant, so to speak, for other bugs to that they like better. And the other thing is if you don't have a monoculture, if you have all these different crops living there, right. you're going to get some pests, but then you also get those beneficial predators right. that eat the pests. And you get birds, and you you know, you know get all the things in the circle that maintain the, the perfect balance of plant, of, you know, like I don't use a single herbicide fertilizer or pesticide in my garden, and I don't have a problem. All right. uh, so we have some calls, so yes, this is great. Yes, we do. All right, so let's first uh, take Lisa in Tampa. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Um, if you, if you could rule the world, do you have a rule or a law that you would implement to make us more sustainable? Well, I lived 11 years sustainably off-grid in Hawaii. Oh, yay. I used to live in Hawaii. What island did you live on? Big island in Pahoa. Me too. Oh, my goodness. Maybe your neighbors. <laughs> wow. I was there I would, 71 uh, till almost 80. Okay. I was there 2009 until uh, 2020. Wow. That's um, amazing. Lived through the 2018 eruption that took out 700 sustainable homes. Yes, I know a lot of people that lost them. Wow. That's so cool. Eight acres. Eight acres. We, had, we were growing our own food, our own medicine. Water catchment, solar, absolutely heaven. Oh, um, did yours get wiped out by the lava flow? It sure did. Oh, I'm so sorry. So I'm back on grid in Tampa, but now I'm um, still with the horses. I'm living in a tiny home. I went, I got a van, and I did the little van life for a little bit. And it is all about sustainability, like um, where do you get your water source. You have right. to make sure where your water source is. You have to be able to, you know, cleanse yourself and, and also water your plants. So my suggestion is, and it is going back into Hawaiian culture, is to go back to the keiki, to go back to the children the future generation. That's what keiki means, people, in Hawaiian, baby. The children. And what that means is take away all of these video games, take away all this violence that they're constantly seeing, and their imaginations are not being used 
for the highest and greatest good of all. So the best thing to do is go straight to the children (laughs) and teach them how to grow in a sustainable way, to Mm -hmm. have respect for the land and for the earth, to be nonviolent, to be happy with what is, to respect their elders, and also to step into either their masculinity or their femininity as which they were born so that they have respect for who they are. And that's where it starts. And then while we're in this chaos, I raised my children here in uh, Tampa. They were all born in upstate New York and Woodstock area, Phoenicia. So I wrote a book, The Last of the Ancient Earth Keepers, that came through during the harmonic convergence. (laughs) It was phenomenal. And it is the story of today. So we manifest everything we see. So if our children's imaginations are taken from them and they're not allowed to picture their own tree or they're not allowed to picture their own plant growing, (laughs) they're stuck in this video world, this black box, so to speak, um, we're in trouble. And we are in trouble. Yeah. Because the, the generation now in their 20s and 30s are angry well, not um, everyone, but I hear what you're everyone. saying uh, in the yeah. in all in general. So that would be your rule. What did you say the name of that book was? The last of the the last of the ancient earth keepers. Ancient earth keepers. And I am Bella Moon. And oh, what a beautiful uh, name! Thank you. And then there's the fairies of Willow Tribe, and you know if we there's no pictures. It's so that it's really an inner child's book mm-hmm. for for us um, to relate to our children. Mm-hmm. in a way, but there are no pictures, so we get to use We make our, our own pictures up. Thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. I hope you yeah. have a beautiful day. Thank you, and as a teacher for, as a public school teacher for yeah. seven years, Specifically. I saw, it was very sad, I saw sixth to eighth graders getting those little hunch um, from shoulders from just staring down over. at a screen all the yeah. time. Yeah, my and body work person tells me all the time about the phone. Yeah, You know, I see, I'm sitting there wherever in the bank or wherever I am, you know, with the grocery store. Well, I'm not sitting in the grocery store, but wherever I'm sitting, doctor's offices, these people, everybody has their head hunched, their chin is completely on their chest, and they have that screen right in front of them. Nobody is talking to each other. I like... I always say, hey, does anybody want to talk about something? Because <laughs> I don't want to look at the screen. <laughs> and I usually get a couple of takers. It's great. <laughs> All right. So we got a couple of uh, emails and messages. One is from Rick from East Tampa. Okay. It says, ideas for a better planet. Replace minimum wage with a maximum wage. Oh. So we don't aim for the bottom, but uh, re-inject funds throughout the system. Okay. And... In October, there is a YouTube video titled, There is No Such Thing as a Good Billionaire. And he went through maybe like the top 10 billionaires. And even though they have these charities and these public personas, he like really did like a deep dive into why their employees and their employees of the employees are not really benefiting from this billionaire status. We have another uh, message from Joe in Denver. He said, if... I could actually make the rules. First, I would make it a point so I nor anyone else would make unreasonable or bad rules. The rules would be applied <laughs> to every person, no matter their status. I would make a society similar to that of the original Star Trek, in which people are matched with their natural talents for job placement. But the very first thing I would do is to hold uh, Monsanto liable for all the damage they have done and shut them down. Um, speaking of 
you know, matching people with their natural talents. A couple of weeks ago when I interviewed, um, who did I interview? I don't know which one. <laughs> we, we interview somebody every week. Oh, boy. Well, we were, a natural talent? We were talking about how there's a lot of basement dwellers. We have a lot of oh. mostly boys in the basements playing their video games. I don't remember who. They're they not um, talking to society, and they are probably the people who could be fixing elevators and cars and bicycles. Mechanically inclined. Yeah, and, and but we're not harnessing their energy. Yeah. So. We, like autism. Exactly. Yeah, so it, look, people with autism are very skillful. And so if their if they're, um, you know, specialty can be, like you said, harnessed uh, or, or shown, you know, a, a, an area that they can work in specifically, it's fantastic. Actually, I was talking about when I interviewed Temple Grandin. Oh, right, right, right. Exactly. With the connection to us. Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. All right. So, a couple more callers. Yes. So, hi, Chris from Clearwater. Hi, Chris. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to uh, comment on the what I think is a misconception that people would need uh, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides for uh, plants to grow or, you know, people might starve. Yeah. You know, it's the the uh, principle of forced growth, where the plants, because they don't have enough uh, nutrients, they just have the, nu- the, min- the three minerals that most plants need to grow: the potassium, nitrogen, and phosphorus. You know those three numbers on the front of the, fertil- the chemical fertilizer bags. Right. That um, that allows the plants to grow, but they don't do well. They have poor immune systems, and uh, and so uh, that's why the you know pests attack them, um, and uh, mold attacks them. So the the fungicides and the uh, pesticides are needed for them to survive. But are you are you serious? Is that what you're saying? That you we need that? No, what I'm saying is that uh, we don't need pesticides and herbicides. We need the plants need the full uh, all their nutrients. Right. All, all and how nutrients. would you get that to them? Um, well, my best source is ionized water. So I take uh, ionized, freshly ionized alkaline water, put it in a spray bottle, spray it on the plants. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that, the, you know, since I've been doing this for 12 years, that mm-hmm. the same plants I've been growing, they have a lot fewer uh, bug bites. Their um, annuals and biennials sometimes become perennials. Uh, they both bloom and bumper, uh, give bumper crop. Mm-hmm. So is more. that the only thing that you change that you, uh, that yeah. you see that would be the benefit? Yeah, that is okay. the thing I've I heard about yeah, somebody else that I know that did that too, and uh, they were very successful with that uh, as well. I don't use that, but I do filter my water, uh, and I also use rainwater and as well as uh, compost and, you know, different minerals that the plants need too. So I think, don't you think maybe diversification is maybe a good idea? Yeah, so thank you, Chris, for that. And yeah. now we're going to take uh, James and Lakeland. Hi, James. Hello. Hey, James. How's it going? Going all right. Nice show. Thank Thanks. you. What's up? Well, my theory is there really ain't no shortage of anything. Ah. Except for shortages that man makes. So he can gouge the prices of the products. My theory is make a law where... We reset the consumer price index, and prices will be capped at that for all time. Hmm. That's interesting. And the way that anybody would want to become a millionaire, whatever, therefore, will be in the 
the quantity of their sales. Okay. So it's more of a mass, more than uh, the singularity. That's that's kind of a good idea, actually. Thank you, James. We're going to go to an email that we got that's related to that, James. And it's from uh, Cherie in Temple Terrace. She says that there should be a law where every restaurant, bakery, grocery store should have to donate the less than perfect and about to expired foods to shelters and to the homeless. And I've said this many times. In the 90s, Bill Clinton passed a law, the Good Samaritan Law, that allows all those places, restaurants, bakeries, grocery stores, to donate less than perfect food, and there is no um, pushback if somebody gets sick. However, you have to have the person that volunteers to do that. It doesn't just miraculously happen. It needs to be a system. That is correct, because I know uh, several people that we know go over to these different places every Sunday with several vehicles. Every every day. Every day, sorry, excuse me. Every day with several vehicles uh, to pick it up, because you can't cherry pick. You have to take it all. Yeah. Uh, So whatever they have that's there, you take it all, and then you disperse it uh, to people that need it. You can can do a pop-up. You can take it to shelters. You can even just pick people that you know that need food uh, because they don't have as good of an income as the average person, maybe. So, you know, that's doable, but someone has to do it. So you have to, whoever that person wrote that in, step up yep. and uh, and organize and, and uh, you know, get that together because that's very doable. So that was uh, Cherie from Temple Terrace. And then I wanted to add that in February of 2016, France adopted a law on fighting food waste that meant supermarkets were forbidden to destroy unsold food products. So at least, I think maybe 10 countries, but not a lot. A a couple of countries actually have implemented that, but there needs to be a system. And you really... We really Excuse can't uh, rely on volunteers to be doing this. There, there should be paid people to pick it up so Agreed. there's accountability. And, you know, the other part about that is that would also create jobs for people that, you know, that are um, perhaps unskilled uh, that yeah. could do that. That's mm-hmm. a great idea. Yeah. And then your friend up in uh, Newport Ritchie, I think. Um, Jim? Yeah. If you don't have a vehicle, you could get... I even went to my friend's house last uh, week, and she made a little tricycle, but then she built like on a little cargo thing on the, on back. the back. So when she goes biking, if she sees... Um, you know something stop. cool by the side of the exactly. road exactly <laughs> <laughs> and be, oh yeah be, i will be, stop for junk <laughs> yeah because she's such a good um recycler Recy- uh, reusable no she, because she's such a good engineer she oh. learned that when she puts two big bags of leaves on the back of her little tricycle it flips so she had oh. to come up with a little kickstand but she's oh, so, so she, smart she has some different weight disbursement worked out exactly uh, so, that's so cool um, so what I, I want to add to uh, that yes you can use your bicycles uh, or different odds and ends instead of using uh, you know your gas every time yes so because uh, my master's degree is about food sustainability. I read this article recently. It just was published, I think, maybe a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. In early August, the USDA, uh, some people call it USDA, <laughs> <laughs> the Department of Agriculture, they released a report on the added sugar content in school meals. Federal yeah. guidelines recommend that Americans get no more than 10% of their calories from sugar per meal. However... of school-prepared breakfasts and 69% of school lunches contain at least 10% or more of the calories from sugar. So Minnesota 
has just signed a law with the USDA that increases the amount of local foods in schools. So I think that's a great law. Every state could be sourcing, you know, a certain percentage of food to their uh, school children. And then the school kids go, oh, this beet was grown down the road. Oh, this milk was from so-and-so's farm. And, and then they're more involved and invested in those and farmers. Maybe, yeah, go to those places as an outing. You know, Jamie Oliver, I don't know if you know that is he's a chef. He was actually originally yes. the, the naked chef, right? So yes. that just was the hook. And so <laughs> then he's but he's great guy. And he came over to America mm-hmm. and he went into the school systems and he tried to change the way they eat because he's in do healthy eating. And he recognizes he has several children and he recognizes the need for uh, feeding the child's body and their brain for them to be able to accomplish what they need to accomplish because they're forming and they need all these nutrients. I mean, big time more. Well, I, I eat great too, but still, I, I know I feel bad just personally as a grown up uh, that if I don't eat well, I feel bad. And so it was not well received. I was just going to say, remember, when Michelle Obama did the same thing? Not well received. Yes. Yes. And it's funny how people will cling to their fat uh, <laughs> and their sugar and their preservative uh, uh, and their, you know, gluten. Uh, everything, they will cling to it like it is like the most important thing in the world. But it's for real. I mean, how many people go to fast food restaurants? I don't, but I know people do. And, uh, you know, how how many People go there all Mm. the time, you know, so they would be very disrupted if Mm -hmm. uh, that changed for them. So I have another uh, email that I want to read, but first I want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today we are talking about being sustainable in the new year, and if you could rule the world, what law or rule would you make to make the world more sustainable? If you want to be part of the conversation Give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. So regarding what we're just talking about, we have Anthony from Tampa and he says every year people should get a mandatory body massage, physical therapy Uh session, and a whole body assessment. And he doesn't mean like the normal physician, but like a doctor where where, where they're like actually asking you like, what are you actually eating? And what are you- How much water are you drinking? And how much are you actually moving? Yeah. Yeah. And how much caffeine do you ingest? <laughs> how much sugar do you ingest? All of that, how much salt, all those things, rather than, you know, I was married to a doctor and, and, uh, and he was the worst. Uh, he, I, I used to kid him. It was like uh, he probably had an hour of nutrition in his schooling. Mm. You know, seriously, uh, there was no preventive. This was a long time ago, though, by, by the way, I've been divorced a long time. But, uh, there was no nutrition really in his schooling at all. There was no preventive medicine uh, in his schooling at all. I don't know. I, I guess they're doing a little bit more of that now. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's going to an alternative uh, source is always a better way, in my opinion. You can always go back to Western. Yeah, so we have lots of uh, emails and text messages now. Oh, that's great. Um, One is from Trudy Hosman McKean. She says, big box stores should only be allowed to sell native plants. Well, and I would uh, uh, go on that uh, with, I'm not sure if that would fly with just native plants. However, 
I would love it if they would uh, outlaw uh, invasive species being sold here because the poor people that don't, I don't mean poor in, in cash, but the uneducated people that go to the store and buy a thing that says butterfly plant and they buy the Mexican, uh, you know. Petunia. Uh, well, they buy the Mexican petunias. They also buy the um, the native milkweed. And these plant materials are invasive species in our area, and they're really terrible for the environment. And quite honestly, the native uh, milkweed is really bad for the monarch. Uh, you'll see them all over it, but it's like feeding them junk food. It's like you know, really unhealthy for them. Uh, and besides, it's invasive. So I would really love it if they could not sell invasive species anywhere. And of course, the the counterpoint to that is the reason why they're a big box store is because they're in all 50 states. Yeah. And, and the people that they're buying the plants from don't care if they're selling it to the Alaska big box store or the Florida big box well, store. And that's true. Yeah. Like what you're saying is, uh, is uh, they buy things for this area that won't grow here. Yeah. So like if you go in there, <laughs> like we, we find this with our edible uh, plant materials and, uh, you know, like uh, trees and berries and all these different odds and ends that are in there. And it would be like a kiwi. People go, oh, yeah, I, want to, I always wanted to grow kiwi. Well, they don't really grow here. But you can get those plant those plants in these big box store all excited, and, you know, about doing it. And you put them in and they struggle and struggle and struggle. And now that's why you get insects and disease uh, is when you're putting a plant of the wrong plant in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, then it's going to stress itself out. And in stress, it draws all that to it. It's like a microphone. Come get me. <laughs> um, we have a couple of other emails, but I wanted to follow up on this uh, Oh, selling of the native plants. Annie, that's what I wanted you to ask. What? I want you to tell listeners who our guest is going to be next week regarding oh, the milkweed and the yes. native plants. Anita Comancho is going to be on next week. I just love her. She um, uh, has the uh, Little Red Wagon uh, Native Plant Nursery on Henderson, and she is like president of everything. <laughs> She's, she is uh, so involved in all of uh, the native plant materials, uh, she's uh, involved in all the butterflies and all the insects and every, you know, everything that needs to be here to keep our circle complete. And she uh, is just wonderful. And she, you know, had experiences with um, people that got really sick a long time ago uh, from chemicals and because they used it on roses a long time ago. They were big rosarians and uh, they passed away. And so that caused uh, a look-see at what are we doing? At what are we putting on our plants? What are we putting in our ground? What are we doing to make this a toxic place? And so because of that, she had a, you know, complete turnaround and then started this completely organic situation and it's a marvelous thing she does lots of things with children she does lots of yeah. things so, all over so we're going to talk about that next week but um annie can you talk a little bit about building up the soil well yeah i'm uh, that's my big interest actually is that you know everybody can compost that's a super easy thing to do uh you just get a bin or build one i have a conclusion 
closed bin because I want to discourage rats uh, in my South Tampa area, and they are there, so I try to not encourage them. Uh, and you just take all your your cut vegetables, peelings, all the things that you have, and you put it in there. And I have a a big um, an old tree. Uh, uh, pot next to it filled with leaves and I just scoop a pile of leaves on top of that and, and then I also any kind of uh, green waste that I have in my garden I use that of course I don't put my weeds in there because my compost doesn't get hot enough to kill mm-hmm. the weed seeds and I'll just re-sprout weeds but that's what I use and you know a human urine uh, is wonderful yeah. uh, the banana trees love that and before um, I asked you that we got a message from Joe in Denver and he says uh, biochar is extraordinarily yes. helpful in building the soil. Yes, it is. And we have another message that says, we just heard Annie say that native milkweed is invasive. Perhaps I missed hearing correctly. Tropical milkweed is not good for monarch butterfly, but natives... Oh, yeah, I, if I did say that, I did not mean that. That was a misspeaking on my part. Native milkweed is fantastic. There's a zillion different types, and those are the ones that we need to use, not the non-natives, which is the um, tropical milkweed, the orange and yellow. Mm-hmm. And then they also have one that's just double yellow. All right, so we just so got I apologize a, for that misspeaking. We just got a message... Um, Another message from Joe in Denver. Mm-hmm. His name is Psycho Joe, which you know you can, uh, he, he's a good source. <laughs> when you have a name like that? Yes, exactly. Okay, so what's his next thing? <laughs> well, he said that um, there's a little YouTube video that we can link in the show notes. It's called, it's about the biodome and it's really amazing. Um, do you remember that, Annie? It yeah. was it was like from like twenty years ago. Oh, you mean the movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a funny movie, actually. But he says the biodome has a secondary product, which is electricity. And uh, I think a year ago we did a show on um, those biogas digesters, where you put like compost and animal waste in there, and then they create your own. They give off nothing, and then you oh, can yeah. start fires. Yeah. Which, Well, if you're off-grid, I mean, those are very doable things, you know. Off-grid, you can do a lot of things. Now, because of the season, we got a message from uh, Desiree Mohan Offner. She says, in the spirit of Christmas and everyone loving the smell of a fresh or real tree, providing incentives for those buying fake trees and maybe adding a sustainability tax to those who purchase a real tree. Which is the opposite of what you should do. So, um, please. At least I, and maybe Annie, we did some research yes, on this. I did. Because, too. as many things regarding sustainability, it's very difficult to say. It's black and white. So, Annie, why don't you say your research and I'll share mine? Well, plastic is plastic, y'all, and it doesn't decompose. So, unless you've kept your tree, what is it, 20 years? Exactly. Uh, then you are. Uh, not doing well. So, you you are putting a, a big old footprint on the world. So, and the other part about that is, y'all, that you know they grow trees specifically on a farm for you, and they cut them up north for you to be able to get. So uh, it's you know an easy thing to do to be able to go buy a tree, and usually it's for benefiting uh, schools. You know they set it out on the parking lot, and they get some benefit of that. Uh, so at churches and different odds and ends like that. So it's a it's a good thing. So the fake trees are made from PVC, yeah. which are difficult to recycle, and most of them are made in China. But the problem with that is the transportation from China to the U.S. And if you use a 
artificial tree for about six years, which is the average lifespan of a fake tree, an artificial tree, the carbon cost is actually worse than a real tree. Yeah. And like uh, my research showed, multiple sources, Annie and I found, that you really need to use an artificial tree for 20 years yes. before the carbon emissions is the same as a real tree. Not even better, but the same. And on average, it takes um, seven years to grow a Christmas tree for you to for people to cut and bring into the homes. And then something um, that I know from working at cultural and zoo. Are you going to move away from the tree? No, are I'm still you, talking still, about Because I, I want a little story. Um, if you work at like cultural or zoological institutions, a lot of programs or a lot of like zoos and aquariums and museums, yeah. they'll readily accept the spent Christmas trees. They'll turn them into mulch after they give them to the lions and the tigers and the goats to play with and eat and, you know. That's up. fantastic. So after they play with them out there, they take it away and then and then grind them for mulch. Yes, well, and that's fantastic. Locally, I didn't know that. some of the zoological institutions around here, every year they would have like a zoo poo day. Oh yeah, where they would have like a mountain. Yeah, of, you uh, can deep, go get it. Yeah, but I. Not sure why they stopped that. Well, I, I, I do know that uh, the uh, Sweetwater Farm uh, ha- gets the, a lot of the boo-poo. So, you know, I'm not sure how much they get or how often they get it, but they have a big old pile of it. They might, you know, they might have just swung into, the, they are only donating to facilities that can take a lot rather than everybody coming with a five-gallon bucket. That's probably true. Yeah, you know, the the insurance cost on that alone would have been a, a nightmare, <laughs> no doubt. I wanted to tell a little quick story. It reminded me, my uncle in Birmingham, Alabama, they had a story written in the paper about him a bazillion years ago. He saved his real tree in his basement for like... 20 years. (laughs) And it was like a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree towards the end. But he said he would bring it up every year and he would decorate. He says, you know, you put a lot of decorations on it. You can't really tell. What state is this? This is in Alabama. Come on, for real. (laughs) You know that. Although these are, you know, uppity Alabamians. But uh, but anyway, it was just hilarious to me that I just forgot all about that. Well, my neighbor, maybe five years ago, she bought... I think 20 Norfolk Island pines yeah. that were one foot tall and they were sprayed in glitter from like a convenience store. She removed the glitter and now they're maybe six to 10 feet, but she'll in the yard and then she'll just bring one in. Oh, she has them in pots. Yeah, in oh, pots. very good. So then she'll bring one in for a couple of weeks yeah. <laughs> in December and then she'll put it back you up. You know, it's. Uh, I'm glad she keeps them in pots because that is like a very brittle tree that gets gigantic. It's a beautiful tree, but it gets really big pretty quickly and it gets gigantic. I have one next door and it's blocking a lot of light out from my vegetable garden. We have um, a couple of other emails and messages. One is from Jungle J. Yay. And his rule is be kind. He is the sweetest man. And can you imagine how better the world would be if people were kind? Just, we're, you know, went through those several gates of thinking, is this necessary? What am I going to say? Is this necessary? Is it needed? Is it kind? Uh, if you go through those gates, most of the times you'd just be silent. All right. We have another uh, follow-up with uh, Desiree. She says, pick one day, quarterly or monthly, where... You pick up trash in your community oh, yeah, like or in another one. one. That's a and good that's one. And that's a great one. That's a, 
a free uh, skill set. And there's also a lot of uh, places that you can v- uh, volunteer with. We had that. Uh, what is the guy that has the Shore Watch? Uh, we had uh, in the in the studio. Like had, Tampa Bay Watch. Yeah, maybe? Tampa Bay Watch, and you can volunteer with them. They do uh, cleanups all the time. So that's always a good thing to to volunteer for. And I know I said this earlier this year, but David Sedaris, who's a humorist, a writer, he said that um, when he was living in England, he lived in like this uh, scenic countryside, you know, it's like with pastures and it was beautiful. beautiful. And he was so disgusted by how much trash that he saw there. So every day for six hours, he would go up and down the the throughway picking up trash. People thought he was, you know, like a homeless person, but he's in reality, he has millions. And then the city was so impressed with just his volunteerism, they named a garbage truck after him. <laughs> and um, what an honor. So then, this was like a few years ago. I love it. He comes to Tampa a couple of months ago. I saw him at the Straws. No, Straws at the. Could be. Yeah. I wasn't there. And <laughs> um, somebody said, what was the most you know, disgusting, coolest thing you've ever garbage picked. And he said, I will not say that because I do not want to give credit to the litterers. Oh, right on. So I thought that was a good insight too. Like, rather than saying, hey, I found this. Well, uh, it's just like you don't want to ever mention the person that, you know, is out there shooting people up. I I wish they would just leave their name off. I agree. I also thought about that. Yeah, you know, Jenny Thomas wrote one that I really like. Uh, She proposed a new, uh, would propose a new county ordinance with mandatory 100 hours community service or $2,000 fine for littering, or both, I'd say. Uh, And because of, uh, she says, this situation in Tampa is getting out of control. People just throw things uh, out their window. I'm seeing, I'm, I'm parked behind somebody and I'm seeing them empty their ashtray or throw their cup out the <laughs> mm-hmm. window or whatever. It's amazing to me that people don't understand that. I mean, that's, we're, we're all connected. And if you put stuff down the sewer, it goes to the bay. Yeah. And then it absolutely. goes into the ocean. And absolutely. We have a couple of people who want to follow up on our Christmas tree idea. Yeah. Um, our good friend Psycho Joe says if one buys a small tree, which is alive, and then after Christmas plants it in a good place, this would result in millions of trees getting planted every year. So buying a live tree is the best solution to me. Now, well, the correct tree, I was just going to say the correct Thank tree. You. So another yeah. email we got is from Robin. and uh, Is that a picture from Robin? Yes. That's beautiful. And I just forwarded to you so you can put in the show notes. It's so beautiful. She says, uh, people need to get creative with Christmas decorations. I bring in one of my cacti and decorate it for the that holidays. That is adorable. And this is very cool. It's a, it's one of the big... Uh, it's a paddle type. Yeah, the big yeah. paddle cacti. And then it has these beautiful ornaments I, on it. And a friend of mine, uh, uh, a Facebook friend, uh, also put on their tree, they put in, a, they brought a fruit tree that needed to come inside. Exactly. Right? Uh, and they decorated it uh, for Christmas. It's beautiful. That's um, also what Robin said. That this year it's been very happy being indoors with this Arctic air. Absolutely. Uh, we had another caller that came in, and they really wanted us to make sure, and we are going to repeat this at the end, but I was going to repeat that uh, uh, our guest next week is going to be Anita Camacho from uh, the uh, Little Red Wagon Native Plant Nursery, and we're going to talk about sustainability. So y'all be sure and tune in and call in, whatever y'all want to do. She's a lovely human being. Another uh, article that I just read 
was for, you know, we're trying to come up with rules and laws that we could all follow that would be better for the world. And this is in Mother Earth News, a national, uh, it's a North American magazine, so people in Canada also get it. But there's a whole column about Sarasota County. Oh, okay. And they said that energy sweeps clear the way for more efficiency. So in Sarasota County, they have volunteers going through mostly poor uh, income neighborhoods, and they offer free energy audits, and they offer free LED light bulbs, identifying toilet leaks, and fixing faulty refrigerator gaskets, all for free. Wasn't that the people that we had on here? Those girls were amazing, weren't they? I think we are tastemakers. I think we did that. The Mother Earth news people probably copied our idea and then published it. Because, you know, we had them on here, and they were young uh, and very assertive, and they were getting things done. They were educated and uh, not afraid to talk about it. So if... A little county in Florida can do it. The whole world can do it. (laughs) I think I can. I think I can. (laughs) The the article does go on to say that this is all funded and um, through the University of Florida. Yeah, that was those girls. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. You know what? We have somebody. Oh, we have Kitty. She's going to give us our uh, events for for the time. Hello, Kitty Wallace. Kitty Wallace. Oh, hi. We hey. have so many things coming up in January. People are raring to go. Yay. Uh, there is a free herb walk January 1st. That's your guest from last week. Uh, he'll be uh, in St. Petersburg with uh, walking. Uh, oh, Bob Lindy. Yes. Um, the aquarium is continuing with their Snow Days uh, events this week through the 30th, and that gives uh, uh, folks that come to the aquarium an opportunity to get uh, right up there with the uh, the activities. Um, there is an urban permaculture design course oh. uh, being offered through the Grow Permaculture uh, business. It is going to be on February 4th through June 25th, I think, in Brooksville, and there's another uh, permaculture course coming up uh, virtually starting January 15th. Oh, that's uh, great. Huh? Annie, can, yeah. First, Kitty, Annie, can you talk about what permaculture is and what does that mean? Me? Yeah. Or do you want me to? Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> so permaculture is the idea of creating like different levels and zones in your yard with fruit trees and edibles rather oh, than like just... like a food forest kind of a situation. Kind of, yeah. But yeah. also it includes... Uh, energy and water and things like that. So yeah, very, right. make everything building, building your soil from the ground up yes. uh, yeah. sustainably. Right? Yes. Um, the, the Tampa Water Keepers is an organization that you've had on your show before. Yes. And they are in March. They have their annual third annual Waterman Fly Fishing Tournament. Oh, uh, wow. Fourth and fifth. So that's something coming up for them. Um, let's see. Also, I wanted to let you know about the uh, the music, not this uh, Sunday, because uh, the uh, Sweetwater uh, Sunday Market will be not in- happening this Sunday because it's January 1st. But okay. every Sunday after that, there is the market at Sweetwater Farm, and they'll have music, musicians, and they're having a big event called Outstanding in the Field. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so funny. I love the way that's said. Yes, yeah. and it's coming up at the end of January. So you can go on Sweetwater and find some information. I'll about put some that. links to all these things too. I've, yes, I, I, yeah, yeah. I've kind of already linked. Oh, thank you. Coalition of Community Gardens because I'm the administrator there, so I can get them on there. Super. Um, 
there is a move, uh, let's see, what's it called? It's a hiking, Hillsborough County hiking spree on the Hillsborough County website. And I, I gave the website, so you'll put it on the show notes. Sure. So something special about hiking. There's also the, uh, I think they're going to go through Lettuce Lake. Area. Oh, that's such a beautiful it's gonna spot. Be, it's going to be a very nice hiking uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, something called Raise the Reef going on at the Coral Restoration Foundation in March. A special gala um, raising funds for coral restoration. Very good. Very important. Yes. The Tampa Bay Innovation Center uh, in uh, Ybor City is having um, some special classes on um, innovations that are sustainable in business. Hmm. So that's going to be fun. The 12 week climate tech accelerator program starts in January for early stage startups working on climate tech and sustainability. So I thought that people who might be starting a business would want to loop in the whole climate uh, uh, tech part. Yeah, that's interesting. And now, wasn't there a couple of jobs that you were talking about yeah, that a, a availability? Job, yeah. So y'all take note of this. You might want this as a job. A couple of jobs coming up in the city of Tampa who mm-hmm. hired their first sustainability coordinator yes. oh, just three years ago. And now they're advertising for uh, a sustainability coordinator and an energy efficiency and carbon analyst coordinator. Perfect. So there are two positions in sustainability coming up in the city of Tampa. So you can go on the city of Tampa loop and see what's going on That's there. That's fantastic. And you were mentioning um, the, the idea of people in, in the school system using their locally grown food. There is a grant that has funds such activities, and there are two lovely ladies in Hillsborough County working on. It's called Locally Grown, and you can find uh, Jenna at locallygrownflorida.org and find out what's going on. They've really only had two planning meetings, and so they're getting, uh, you know, geared up. They've mm-hmm. got, they're connecting to local growers and Hillsborough County schools big time. That's and wonderful. So there is a lot going on with that aspect. Anyway, everybody's got something they could get involved with and uh, some, some things with the Tampa Bay Watch and the estuary program. There is an app that you can get and that's going to be on. They announced that too. on our show, I think. Yes. Yes. You can, put, you can get that app and then if you see any uh, debris in the water. You can report you can, it. Uh, record it and then it will be on you know somebody's watch that's fantastic to clean it up that's so great that's stuff is that it or that's it okay thank you, thank you so much yeah. kitty for calling in really appreciate you and all that you do for this world you're wonderful <laughs> thanks darling <laughs> bye-bye. 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 bye-bye we do have one uh, other science themed event it's called pints of science it's at uh, the new world brewery oh and the next, they do it monthly. The next one is January 11th. You've been over there too, haven't you, before, Kenny? Yes, but on January 11th, they're going to have Paul Jensen from, he's a naturalist, and he's going to be talking about <laughs> wildland connectivity in the state of Florida. So how um, we connect 
animals to their native habitats when we have this urban sprawl. Right, like the pass-throughs and things like that. Exactly. So he's going to, so Pints of Science is when they have three guests. So he's going to be there. And then we have another uh, professor from USF. He's going to be talking about uh, gun safety. And then the last speaker of the night is Kenny Coogan, and he's going to be talking <laughs> about carnivorous plants. Because <laughs> he knows all everything about carnivorous plants. <laughs> um, I wanted to just kind of... This book is beautiful, too, by thing. the way. Yeah. I wanted to end the show with another question or another thing that Jay Shetty does at the end of his podcast. He asks, what is your purpose in life? And when he asked uh, Trevor Noah, Trevor replied, he wants to be a fertilizer <laughs> for everyone and everything he makes contact with. Quote, I hope to enrich the lives I meet. I want to improve people's lives, even in the smallest of ways, whether it is in the form of coming up with solutions, helping them with directions, making you laugh. I would hope to do what a good fertilizer does in that it enables the soil to be richer. It enables the plants to grow taller. It helps brings all the pieces together. It becomes a food. It becomes a food that creates more food. Yeah. And I think as we go into 2020, <laughs> oh boy. So, but I would just, it's just funny for me. No manure, let's just say. So uh, I wanted to agree with that completely. And I wanted to say that I think that we do that here, Kenny. Uh, we bring forth a lot of information for people to be supported uh, and to uh, improve uh, their lives with uh, the information that they garner here. And I, I, for one, am really happy to be with you and Bill today. There's another thing that I wanted to add. Was, it was in a song that I recently heard, but a, a song from like 10, 15 years ago. And it says that laws cannot change us. We can only change us. Yes, so that's true. It kind of starts from within. That's for sure. And if you, you know, if you, if you want to be good to yourself, uh, it, it works out to be good with others. Oh, yes. and we have our end of the show. So if you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar, and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Stay tuned as we go into the next program. But for next week... We're going to have uh, uh, at 11 o'clock, turn in. Uh, you can also stream, y'all, Sustainable Living Show. We'll have Anita Comancho uh, with the Tampa Bay Butterfly Foundation. Follow our Facebook uh, page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. I'll write up a blog uh, to, for y'all to see. Uh, also, listen to our past shows. Just go to Listen On Demand on WMNF.org. Uh, I'm uh, Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye. Bye.